0: Good evening. On tonight's episode, is Haaland man or machine? What's Manchester United going to do next after beating Liverpool comfortably and not beating Southampton comfortably? We look at the midweek round of games and much more. This is the Talkie Podcast. So, welcome back. On the panel today, we have Ashwin. We have DSK, we have RK, all looking very happy. They've got six points in the bag since we last spoke. Life is rosy again. Old Trafford is bouncing. We also have Ab, who is still a Chelsea skeptic from the look of things. You have me, uh, your host, Swagat. Let's get started. So I think we talked last week about how this Tequila Saliba chant was a very interesting one and it got the crowd going. Anyone uh, has a good chant that they've heard of uh, in football terms? Ashwin, you're closest to the UK.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I think before we even get to that, what a chant that is. It's so catchy and it makes me as a non-Arsenal supporter sing that as well. I think my favorite chant is always the one where uh, there's a bit of banter involved and uh, the, the the chant that I would go for is the Luis Suarez chant that the United fans sing it goes something like your teeth are offside your teeth are offside Luis Suarez your teeth are offside I think it's it's just an incredible chant like uh, I'm not one for body shaming as you guys know but this, this is, is perfect
0: timing to do this when uh, our resident Liverpool representatives are not on the podcast to respond <laughs> in real time. Okay, so United contingent. DSK, you have uh, any you can remember?
2: Yeah, so there are a couple of chants couple of that I like listening. Uh, quite funny to hear. And the, the worst part is uh, how wrong were the United fans. So one is uh, Anthony Marshall chant where they say he came from France. The English press said he had no chance. 50 million down the drain again. Tony Marshall scores again. Uh, yeah, we're waiting for him to have a prolific season. Uh, the same, similar lines. The other Golden Boy winner was Anderson. So, it's a, the chances, Anderson, son, son, he's better than and Samba to the left, Samba to the right, Samba all right, and he shits on Fabregas. Yeah, shit he did, he, in like one match, all his career. So, yeah, two, two. Embarrassing chance for your United
3: fans. I'll go a bit left field on this one, not an actual ball chant in the Premier League as such. But so, me and DSK had uh, gone with Radha and up for one of these PL fests in Bangalore where we saw a United, you know, Liverpool United screening way back in the season. John Barnes was there, Alan Scherer was there, and John Barnes was getting a bit smug, confident, I would say, that, you know, Klopp is in, our time is coming. At that point, the United fans started singing because Alan Shearer was also there. Shearer won, Gerard nil, Shearer won, Gerard nil. That was real leg like, pulling and a lot of fun.
0: Cool. Ab, anything uh, caught your fancy? I, I think the
4: one that I remember from recent memory at least is where I think, I forgot which club it was. But when John Jonjo Shelby was playing for the other team, the fans started chanting, Harry Potter is coming for you, Harry Potter is coming for you because he looks like Voldemort. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think
0: that one was pretty fine. I think there's some UK rapper who's got a song called Oh Thiago Silva, right? And he's performing that at Glastonbury, and when and this is when Thiago Silva was at PSG. And then he finds this guy who's right in the front of the and He's wearing a PSG Silva shirt and he brings this guy on and he sings his song with him. So that, that's, that's probably one of the rare chants that I remember. So, oh, Thiago Silva. That, that, that one. Anyway, moving on to more serious stuff. Uh, we had a full round of games uh, this weekend. And uh, as some of us have already uh, predicted or rather feared, Holland is... Uh, making a mockery out of the defences in front of him. He was faced with the same Joke Andersen who handled Darwin Nunes so well. And he was not only able to take him on, but uh, basically turned the game around uh, by himself. So, anyone has any thoughts on that? Uh, RK?
3: I think last few days, we have been having this discussion of Farmers League and Bundesliga is shit and all on our, on our group, right? And I think Ireland is ultimately going to score maybe more goals in the Premier League than... Then he scored in the Bundesliga and then we will all be like, it's not so different after all. I think uh, last few weeks also, we have touched upon Haaland, the way his movement in the box and, you know, how him and City are trying to adapt to each other. I think this was a bit more evidence of how that is going. It was very ominous to look at. First goal was a normal cross. I don't think it was a very good cross, but it was pretty deep and you would expect the defence to do better. But Haaland's strength won that header easily and the second goal, right place at the right time and the third one. I mean, you could see that pass coming from a mile off but he just held off his marker. I think uh, Anderson should have cut that, done more to cut that pass off but the strength on Haaland is the guy who did that welcome outside the Man City preseason hotel. You Nordic meatball.
0: <laughs> he knows his physicality is one of his big strengths and uh, he's more than happy to utilize that as well. I mean, um, there are some questions that people have asked whether he'll stay fit or not because in the Bundesliga as well, he used to break down sometimes. So uh, that would be a point to see. But that's that's a completely different dimension to a Pep Guardiola side, which they've never had... Uh, in the past i mean that's completely it's not root 1 but compared to what peps sides like to do it's 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 almost uh, that way so yeah that that's an interesting uh, thing to keep an eye out um, for
2: i did watch the game and what i felt was like previously when you watch a pep team you see all the 11 players including the keeper being involved in the entire build up here I, I felt that haland was not a part of lot of the game but the ball gets it reaches the box and he's there to finish off chances. And I think that is the ruthlessness. I think they have the work rate with the other nine outfielders to to cover up for him. And with Haaland covering doing his share, does not need to contribute as much as what say, a Sterling or Foden used to do in the same position. But you get the half chance and he finishes, like a quarter chance and he finishes it uh, with the ease and I I think that's a very, very dangerous prospect.
1: Yeah, I think um, like he literally decimated Palace, right? Like, and it's exactly what we thought he would do. Like, his stats in the bundesliga are absolutely crazy he's scored some 62 goals in 64 games that's a lot of goals and uh, the one thing that i i think i mentioned at the start of the season is, as well is that the way Holland plays is that he's always there in, in the right at the right time and he always receives the ball uh, from the wingers and he just taps in the ball he also has this diamond shoot to him where he's almost able to play off the defender Get the ball move towards the goal and just use his strength to the utmost effect. I feel once Grealish comes back into the scene, he'll get a lot more service and he'll score even more goals. So it's 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 just it's just a terrifying proposition for all of us.
2: The other viewpoint on City is how come they have conceded so many goals? They uh, conceded two or three in the previous week. They were conceded two against Crystal Palace very early on. Sometimes you you feel that that. Defense is not settled yet, and with so many changes happening to the city team, feels like uh, cohesion, at least in some of the bizarre, uh, defensive moments, are not there. That's leading to them leaking the goals.
4: Yeah, I don't think Pep would be too worried about uh, these goals being conceded. I mean, he's a perfectionist, so he'll probably uh, try and train it out of them in the next two days. But I think, uh, I don't think, I mean, if I was a city fan, I wouldn't be worried about the goals they're conceding. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, it's early to say that there's a bigger problem there,
0: I think. Right. So, moving on, um, Ab, before um, our non-Chelsea talk puts you to sleep, what were your thoughts on the game? We Chelsea, apparently, every season has uh, some of these backs-to-the-wall performances where uh, we have some difficult circumstances, yet we bring home the bacon, as they say. So, with the Conor Gallagher red card yesterday, we, we were in a bit of trouble. But at least we... Got the points out of it.
4: Yeah, uh, it was a very frustrating first half to watch, and uh, you know when Gallagher got sent off, I had this "oh, not again" type of a feeling. It uh, one thing that Tukal has done very well compared to some of his predecessors is that he rarely ever loses two games in a row. If we, win, if we lose one, we tend to come back and win the next one, right? And, It's often the draws over the course of the season that cost us. I really thought, you know, we were going to lose two in a row here. uh, This could go, you know, this could be the beginning of the end as it it becomes right for Chelsea managers usually. But the team really pulled together after the record. We even dominated position 72 to 28 uh, for the next 20 minutes after after Gallagher got sent off, right? So I think there's no question that Chelsea deserved to win. Great to see Raheem Sterling score his first two goals.
0: For Chelsea. I remember you sent a message after the red card saying that I mean we'd be lucky to get one point out of this, but uh, I, I think the way the team pulled together after that was uh, pretty good. Uh, I think what's what potentially also gave them a bit of a boost was the Fofana news. Interestingly enough, uh, I think uh, when the transfer news was being reported, it it was being reported as it's a world record transfer fee for a defender which meant that uh, some of the folks on this podcast today were very happy that Maguire's record was uh, beaten. But unfortunately, there can
1: only be one.
0: Yeah, so unfortunately or fortunately, there's... It was lost in translation. It was a record for an under-21 defender, whatever that means. I mean, why we have these criteria, I don't know. But uh, anyway, that's the media for you. So, uh, even then, uh, significant uh, outlay. But at least I think that should give us uh, more uh, defensive solidity going forward. Chaloba is apparently also staying. So, that's that's good. I mean, for the centre-back position, I'm, I'm now feeling much more secure than uh, earlier. This would also free up James to go and do his
3: natural thing. Swag and uh, what did you make of Sterling? Two goals, uh, hit the post once, leading the line well for you? Yeah, I would
0: say he's done well. I mean, his performance has been good over uh, the games he's played so far. He's not had the output in terms of numbers, but his performance has been well. He's led the line in terms of the attacking output. I mean, I've mentioned last week as well that I still feel that if we have a strong a proper number nine. Um, Sterling could also play around him and uh, have, have more scope for his trickery rather than depending solely on himself to do the final output as well. But uh, I think he's 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 doing well. Uh, moving on from Chelsea, Leicester obviously looking quite deep in trouble now, and uh, Rogers probably leading the race for uh, the sack race. Uh, As I
1: had predicted, so...
0: you 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 were the one who had predicted that, right? So we we had one left field apparently left field response then.
1: Doesn't feel very left field at the moment,
0: does it? Well, it doesn't if they don't have that money to spend. Now they'll have now they have that money to spend that they get from Fofana, but there's not enough time to go as well. It's already the 28th is done. We've not heard any rumours about any centre-backs coming into the picture for them, even though Fofana didn't play too many games last season, which also meant that they dropped out of the European spots which they had been inhabiting in the last two or three seasons. Uh, maybe a swap for Maguire uh, as... As DSK mentioned, might be worthwhile sending him back.
2: he need Maguire, Phil Jones, Axel to answer. Bay, Van Bisschop. There are we, we have a lot of choices for wonderfully talented defenders in Man United. Probably they should
3: just
1: bid. Uh, I wouldn't mind uh, taking N D D for Maguire and thirty million.
3: I think Leicester have reached out to uh, to Akanji. That's, I was reading something like that, but I don't know if they have enough time to make it happen. But. Uh...
2: I'm not a regular Leicester uh, uh, watcher but uh, anyone in the pod uh, you, you have an idea what's happened to Brendan and Leicester?
0: What I was hearing from Rob Tanner who is the Leicester correspondent for the Athletic the business model is also quite dependent on player sales so every season they will have this one asset that they sell for loads of money like it's been Maguire in the past and and it's Fofana this season but apart from that uh, so this season they weren't Keen on Fofana being that asset, they were more keen on Telemans being that guy. But that offer that they were expecting at the at the amount did not come in. And uh, also, what's happened is that King Par, who's the holding owner of Leicester, their business model has suffered quite a lot because of COVID because it's a, it's a travel related organization. So a, that's meant that as an organization as well, they don't have that much money to put into Leicester. So so that means that. In terms of incoming money, they've stagnated, so they're dependent on player sales, which is why I think they tried to play hardball and rather played hardball with Chelsea to get as much money for Fofana as they could let's see um, how it goes Uh, just watching
3: them last season what happened for them was i think uh, like they were still trying to press high but uh, beyond that it wasn't really working for them there were gaps opening up set piece defending became something like probably was a weakness earlier but it's uh, you know stuck out like a sore thumb for them Uh, they had quite a few players missing out and you know combination of all these things the morale kind of started going down and rogers has not been able to get a tune out of them for the last six, eight months or maybe more
4: now, sir. You know, the Fofana departure is a real gut punch for Leicester, right? He, I think he broke his leg last year and, you know, there was a lot of support the club provided through his rehabilitation. You know, there were reports that he was very grateful, he was not looking to move. And now, uh, for, you know, for having no other options, they're having to uh, let him go to generate some kind of cash... And I don't know, if, like you said, how much they can reinvest. Typically, when you get 50 million with three days left to go in the window, you tend to throw it at an existing Premier League player. So, yeah, I think uh, that that's a proper gut punch. And that's why I feel that, uh, you know, that news combined with their poor results will almost surely lead to Brendan Rogers being uh, changed.
2: Something I've observed was a lot of the success that Rogers got was... Uh, his team moving the ball quite well, and then releasing uh, it to Vardy, and Vardy in his prime, uh, one touch and score. He would so his clinical finishing and that movement was very important. Now that Vardy is uh, getting old and he doesn't have the same the same the uh, same finishing, the same movement, uh, that is affecting them. And the two strikers that they have signed as replacement, Ianacho and Aka, have not performed. Uh, yeah, all said and done. Wait for party to score a brace against United on Thursday. I think I, I, I've jinxed it enough. Yeah, you, you know, you know what has happened
1: with Rogers, right? Uh, he got linked to United, and, and then it was all downhill from there. So, the moment a coach gets linked to United, uh, like like Poch got linked to United as well. And we saw the end of his reign. So it's the Man United curse. Having said that, uh, the next game is going to be an interesting one because we both of these teams are not really good at set pieces. So watch out for Lissandro Martinez score an absolute belter of a header in the next game.
0: Moving on, uh, top of the table, Arsenal. I mean, we definitely they had a much tougher game than their previous encounters. They had to fight for this victory. Fulham basically. Took them to task. In fact, could have probably scored even more, uh, as I'm sure AB would have been hoping for.
2: I, I thought this was quite different uh, game for from Arsenal uh, compared to the previous three. And I think when they went one down, I was texting RK saying that, Let, let's see what they are made of right now. Like, how tough are they mentally? Because that's what you have seen in Arsenal. They've played beautiful football most of the time, but they're quite brittle when it comes to when the going gets tough. And that way, I was very, very uh, surprised, and pleasantly surprised.
1: Like, uh, not as a United fan, but as a general fan of football. I, I think what what has really changed with Arsenal is uh, the players seem to be in really good mood. There's a good shape that Arteta has uh, brought brought up for the team. Odegaard seems to be like a player reformed. Uh, the arrival of Gab Jesus has changed quite a bit, uh, and and you can see the confidence in the team when when players like Granit Jakar coming into the box, like Frank Lampard, to provide assists and score, like it just it just shows that there's so much confidence in that team. In this particular match, I I feel Fulham did well to come back. Uh, Mitrovic was uh, being marked by Gab Jesus for some re- reason. I know uh, managers prefer to play zonal marking, but like at times it just. Better sense should prevail, uh, but I think Arsenal came back really well. Yeah, good times at Arsenal. And- I think there was a
4: slight level drop uh, with you know El Neni taking party's place. They didn't have as much control as they've had uh, in recent games. And of course, I mean the goal as such, Fulham's goal, the legend Mitrovic's goal, I should say, came from an individual error by Gabriel. You know, Swagat mentioned why didn't oppos was wishing that Mitrovic could have scored more. Actually, no. I'm happy with one goal a week. It helps me nicely. I think
0: if you have a front line of Mitrovic and Haaland, I think one goal from each of them each week ensures that uh, Ab is definitely going to finish on the podium. Right. I think that's a good point to close part one. Uh, In part two, we start with uh, Manchester United. Welcome back. In part two, we are starting with uh, Manchester United, the club who've uh, held sway over our minds over the last couple of episodes. And uh, they've had two games uh, since we last spoke. We had the perfect jinx from the United boys, making sure that uh, against all odds, apparently, I mean, such are times that uh, United beating Liverpool at Old Trafford is hailed as a victory against all odds, but so be it. And um, then consolidating that with uh, another victory over Southampton, which didn't feel as convincing, but uh, that's life. And uh, the stage is all yours. The three of you have enough to get off your chest, I guess. Who wants to go first?
3: I think it was a performance uh, which actually has had been a successful template for United in the past. It was very much a performance in the Ole mold, so to say, you know, sitting back in a middle block or a lower block and then using really fast forwards to get in behind a high line. So uh, I'm glad that, you know, a lot of commentators talked about how Ten Hag changed his style to get a result. But I think what a lot of people don't know is uh, how pragmatic and how... Flexible Ten Hag has been in his career. He's pretty amenable to use different tactics to suit the opponent and his own team as well. So that that was one part of it. I think uh, another thing that stood out for me was the work ethic. We ran more than Liverpool. We had more sprints than Liverpool, and yeah, a lot of good individual performances. So it's it was a good way to you know.
1: Get off the mark. Yeah, I agree. Uh, like, it was straight out of the Ole. ole uh, Backs against the wall. Full of passion when it comes to playing the top six. Um, what we I was fearing after the game ended and, you know, I got into terms with the fact that we have just beaten the best team in the country or the second best team in the country is this won't persist. Like, we can't uh, go on a streak and we won't win the next game. And I know we'll talk about the uh, Southampton game in a while as well. But, yeah. Uh, credit where credit is drew, uh, due. Um, I think the Varane and uh, uh, Martinez combination worked really well. This game was perfectly set up for McTominay as well because the the midfielders he was playing against were not Thiago and uh, Nabi Kaita. It was uh, Elliot and I think it was James Miller. Yeah, credit where credit is due. Uh, but we also need to understand that it was a half strength Liverpool side. Uh, so we, did, we shouldn't be getting too carried away. And I'm sure. Uh, Rather, if he was joining the podcast, would have uh, agreed with me on this.
2: Uh, few changes from the previous game uh, was uh, that United were not uh, trying to build from the back, but Tan Hag had mentioned the game plan against uh, Brentford was that you, they wanted Brentford to they wanted to draw the Brentford press and play over the over the press, and the players did not listen to instructions here. Uh, I think the instructions are clear. We had Alanga who was running in behind uh, Alexander Arnold, and all the goal kicks from De Gea was going in that side. Uh, so, uh, quite surprised that uh, Carragher and Co did not do analysis because they did analysis of Brightford and Brentford. Uh, it's goal kicks going to Martinez's side and saying that, hey, this is a guy who is getting targeted. Uh, very clearly, uh, uh, teams are targeting. Uh, Alexander-Arnold,
1: I wonder why it doesn't get as much coverage. I think DSK mentioned Martinez. Now that he has been certified by uh, an uh, ex-England international and Jamie Carragher, he should be our first first choice centre-back, right? Not saying that Jamie Carragher was any good of a centre-back.
4: I think your United boys have to now take your crown off. You guys have been all trying to jinx, trying to say that every team will beat you. But I think you have to now admit that the best jinxer is Jamie Carragher, right? He says all the stuff about Martinez and now he's putting man of the match stats up every match pretty much since then. So you'll do- that's,
2: that, that's not the jinx. That is more of Jamie Carragher not looking at the data in its entirety. Uh, yeah, Martinez was getting targeted, but he did not lose.
1: Uh, a lot of the headers, yeah. It's just lazy analysis. I feel it's just lazy analysis, right? Um, no, it's not they, lazy yeah,
0: analysis. It's just it's just clickbaitism trying to get us all
1: involved. No, with I, them love, I, sure. I like I like I uh, I like Jamie Carragher and Gary Vella's pundits, but sometimes they can make like really weird statements, and I think this was this was one of them. Like, uh, uh, of course, like Martinez is, is fine, and uh, most uh, strikers in the Premier League or or midfielders even would be like. Uh, would be six six two, 6 uh, So, I think that's where it comes from. Uh, but right back, you Chaymi.
2: Yeah, one additional point, a uh, shout-out to uh, our new left-back. He made his debut uh, against Liverpool in a very crucial game. Played quite well, a lot of energy. Uh, he did make some mistakes, but he, he covers up for that with the space and his aggression and attitude. So, uh,
1: looks like a good signing. Uh, but yeah, quite some way to go. Should we, should we talk about the uh, Southampton game as well? Because that was like a total 180 degree from, from the highs of beating Liverpool. Um, I just, I I, I mean, uh, I didn't watch the game fully, but um, I was just, you know, uh, reading about it on Sky and BBC. And like, what I could sense is that it was a pretty tire game. And um, United did lack... Like a lot of creativity and towards the end of the game as well, the last 15 minutes we were just hanging on. I think DSKU was the game, so uh, maybe something for you to comment on.
2: The, the second game that, that happened yesterday uh, against Southampton was quite different because I felt Southampton have changed their style of play and they were playing quite similar to Brighton uh, in the way they were cutting off uh, the channels and not allowing United to build uh, through the middle so uh, that day united struggled quite a bit to get the chances but if you just analyze the goal that united played it was quite nice and i think t4 irl folks had done the analysis quite well of how uh, because united could not pass their way out because of the man to man marking how uh, Varane advancing with the ball uh, and some pos- positional rotation in the midfield and among the strikers helped create that space and uh, dalo had the space to pick out the cross to uh, Bruno Fernandez.
0: Okay, let's see what happens. I mean, we have we could potentially have Anthony coming in as well. Uh, maybe it's already finalized and about to be announced. So we'll wait for that.
1: I I think Anthony is our Gabriel. Like we seem to have like loads of Anthony similar to what Arsenal have with Gabriel,
0: <laughs> right? You, you 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 have you have Ilanga, you have Martial, you have you will have Anthony slash Anthony.
1: Yeah. And uh, or Gabriel like I said
0: <laughs> yeah okay uh, Ashun you also mentioned uh, Van Dyke he ended up facing Bonemath, so he had a happier uh, outcome the next game that uh, his team played
1: it, it just seems that uh, Van Dyke seem, he just seems to be in a bit of a mess uh, at least the first two, two three games um, yeah he, he's probably the blueprint of success when it comes to defenders like I'm sure like any young defender would look on Van Dyke and just be inspired at the way he defends. Uh, he does not commit early. He waits for the, ra- the right moment and then he goes for the tackle. If at all he has to, and by the time he has already won the battle with the striker. Uh, the, you could see in the in the Liverpool Fulham game as well. Uh, there was a tackle uh, which led to a penalty. Uh, in in the in the goal that Sancho scored as well, I think. There, I won't say there was a lack of concentration, but if James Milner is giving back to you. Uh, it means that there's something definitely wrong. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, much happier outing. I think Bournemouth were there to be played. Uh, um, Roberto Firmino was on fire. Uh, it was just the right game for 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 Liverpool to yeah, play. Yeah, I think uh, you know on
3: Firmino uh, when when Liverpool played against United, he had a especially in the first half, he had a deeper position than even you know Henderson. Uh, And Milner, he was coming so deep to take the ball. It was creating a bit of a problem for the first line of United's press. But, uh, you know, uh, but they barely had any presence in the final third going on from there. And he did not impact the game in any positive, uh, you know, way for Liverpool. And uh, I think there was a, 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 you know, lot of talk and rightly so that, you know, Firmino is past the curve, which might still be true. After all, uh, it's only one month. But, uh, I think Liverpool put right a lot of things, especially and Firmino was at the head of the things. Like you know, being effective in the final third, contributing there, getting a couple of goals, uh, and uh, you know, providing all those assists. So maybe there is a certain you know, at least a certain category of games. Maybe the the, the bottom ten team uh, uh, you know the bottom ten teams of the league where is he can still be really effective.
2: Talking about Van Dijk, I would I would wait for some more time. Before judging whether he has lost that uh, edge as a defender, because first of all he did not have Fabinho in front of him shielding, and then next to him is Joe Gomez, who is probably not that greater defender, and then you have Alexander Arnold on the other side, who can't defend. So the 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 Sancho goal was probably really uh, a, a good example of how, as a system, the Liverpool setup failed that. Alexander-Arnold did not track the, or he, he was not tight on Eriksen and uh, Malasia. There was an easy pass. Joe Gomez, who did not does not make a diagonal run and cut out the defender, uh, sorry, cut out Elanga uh, makes it very easy for the cross. And then, uh, by that time, uh, the ball is uh, in, at Sanjo's feet and there is, no, there is nobody marking Sancho and then Milner has to come and uh, slide. So, Even, I I think Milna has a fair point that Van Dijk should have come and slid in. But there was Bruno Fernandez right there for an easy pass and a tap. in.
4: You know, there are uh, some people, DSK, who take your statement on um, Alexander-Arnold not being able to defend and say that it sounds exactly kind of similar to what Carragher would say about uh, somebody else. Though some people are not here today. But when they hear this, I'm sure you will get a text or two. (laughs) But I
2: wouldn't say that he's not a very good footballer. Uh, I I, I see him like what uh, David Beckham was for United. He was not a right-winger. He was a creative midfielder playing on that side of the field. So, that way, Alexander-Arnold is probably really, really good at it. Uh, But in terms of being targeted uh, from a defensive point of view, uh, yeah, I still have my doubts.
3: And, And talking of creative players... Uh, Salah must have been such a headache for FPL managers. 1.35 XG, 0 goals. The rest of the team had 2.5 and they scored 9. One of those days for Mohamed Salah. Just one
0: of those days when you you triple captain him and then you have to drown your sorrows with some guineas. So, DSK, I think uh, on a related note, we've talked about uh, United quite a lot and... um, uh, I think you have a quiz question for us uh, on something related to that.
2: Right. So, Casimiro made his debut against Southampton uh, and he is the 10th player who has played for both Manchester United and Real Madrid. Two are the 9 players and these are players spanning the history. So, 9 players other than Casimiro who have played for both the clubs.
1: So, yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, Ruud Van Nistelrooy, uh, David Beckham, Gabriel Aynze, Okay. I got four. Michael Owen. Mike. Michael Owen. It's a good one.
0: Yeah. There's one name I think I I won't say that name which I think Ashwin should uh, definitely get considering lots about him. So. Uh, Rafa Varane. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, ooh, who do I talk about so fondly? Oh. Oh God. The, the snake. Oh God. Yeah. I Come on. United fans calling oh, the snake, right? The snake. Let's just call him the snake. You willed yourself to
0: forget his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Di Maria. Let's not,
1: let's not. Yeah. Okay. Let's not talk
2: about him.
0: So two more.
2: One in the Premier League era, and one probably before that.
0: There's going to be lots of editing out of the silences. He he started a Champions League final for United. Oh God.
4: Is it the 2009 final? Um... No.
0: Nope. Ah, clever pointed questions from. Yeah, out. Chicharito oh. has been on loan to Madrid.
1: Hernandez, yeah. yeah. Ah. Yes. yes, yes.
2: Okay. Xavier Hernandez. Xavi Hernandez. So, there's one more and probably it's a name that probably none of you would get it. Uh, it's Laurie Cunningham. Uh, he was... A, he played for United while he was, uh, he was... He was loaned out to United while he was a Real Madrid player. Uh, back in the late 80s, uh, sadly, the player died very young in a motor accident. So, those are the nine players. So, uh, Rafael Varane, Javier Andes, Angel Maria, Ronaldo, Gabriel Lyons uh, Ruvani Silroy, Owen, Beckham and Laurie Cunningham.
0: Alright, so apart from this, we also had uh, some other games uh, this weekend. Uh, we had uh, Brentford uh, 1, Everton 1. Brighton continued their uh, good form with a clean sheet uh, victory over uh, Leeds 1-0. Today we've uh, had Aston Villa lose to West Ham uh, and pile some more pressure on Steven Gerrard. Wolves drew 1-1 with Newcastle with a wonder goal, not a wonder goal, but a spectacular goal from Alan San-Maximan towards the end of the game. And um, also finally, we had uh, Harry Kane-led Tottenham Hotspur beat uh, Nottingham Forest 2-0, where he ended up scoring twice, but uh, missed a penalty and ensured that I lose my draft game. So thanks for that, Harry right so moving on in part three we'll uh, discuss the midweek round and uh, we'll also take a look at uh, the european draws and take a look at uh, some of the other leagues as well (laughs) Welcome back to part 3 where we take a look ahead at uh, the upcoming games. Um, We have the first midweek round of games where uh, the game that stands out for uh, us is uh, Liverpool versus Newcastle United. Two teams who are uh, looking to make a mark on this season uh, in their own way. And uh, Liverpool, after the disappointing start to the season Uh, have picked back up against uh, Bournemouth which uh, didn't surprise many of us but they're up against a Newcastle team which is uh, refusing to let go I mean I think um, they're uh, undefeated uh, since the beginning of the season and uh, they pulled out a late uh, equalizer against Wolves to make sure that uh, that streak continued they've finally splurged on a striker, they've, go, uh, they've gone above the 60 million mark, so Isak comes in from uh, Real Sociedad uh, he's also a key member of the Swedish national team, so he's, he's got some experience he's, he's young, he's only 22 but uh, that should be an interesting thing to look out for, I don't expect him to start but uh, he should come in to play some sort of a role at, at uh, some point in this game
4: yeah, this should be a good game. Um, it is a Ranfield, so I do expect that Liverpool will win. Uh, but it'll be good to see Isaac at some point. Uh, I don't know what his levels of fitness are. If he can even even see a few minutes of him, because uh, I'll admit I, I I know almost nothing about the uh, about the guy. So I'm looking forward to seeing what a 75 million odd striker uh, can do for Newcastle.
1: I think it will be an incredible game to uh, watch, I think Liverpool after scoring that those 9 goals against bournemouth would be uh, on a high and uh, i i totally expect them to uh, score a few more against newcastle um, i think newcastle have been playing okay uh, this season uh, but i think uh, playing liverpool at anfield is just a different level altogether
0: yeah but i'm i'm just thinking um, that they're the only team who managed to hold uh... Man City as well at bay. I mean, of course, it towards the end of it, it became a rearguard performance with Pope being at the center of it. But uh, let's see. There, there might still be a chance for them to do something, but I think Gwimaresh is also going to be missing from this game. Um, was, it, it it would be interesting. Let's see how it goes. In uh, other games that we are looking forward to before the next time we speak, Ashwin, I think uh, you're taking a trip of your own, right?
1: I am. I am going to Old Trafford. Uh, when I booked the tickets, I didn't. I didn't expect Arsenal to be flying high. So I'm. Uh, uh, I'm uncomfortably excited. I think the atmosphere is going to be absolutely incredible. Um, the fans are the, the fans are really behind the team. Um, we have got back to back wins. Now I don't know what will happen in the Leicester game, so things might change. Uh, so uh, uh, TBC on that. Uh, but yeah, I I am going for the atmosphere. Uh, it uh, United Arsenal was probably uh, touted as the El Clasico of the Premier League back in the heydays, right? So uh, yeah, definitely definitely looking forward to it. With with um, sand, uh, uh,
2: are you going to sitting?
1: I'm, I'm going to be at these uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's turn. um Okay. Not Stan. Not, yeah. Okay. not Stan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, uh, also looking uh, forward to doing some anti-glazer chants. Uh, I mean, uh, if anything that my rant has given away, I'm not a glazer fan. So, looking forward so to So, well.
0: are you planning on uh, wearing the third Arsenal kit to do that, considering it's all green and gold? <laughs>
1: No, I don't think it's great I don't think the green and gold campaign is like the the origin of green and gold is Newton Heath. Like United was uh you know red and white even before even the even before the glaces joined. Um so yeah, I'm not going to be wearing the green and gold. But I what I would say for our listeners is that if you follow us on Instagram, uh I'll be posting a lot of content uh, over there. So if you're looking for live match updates and live content, uh At TakiTaka is our Instagram handle.
0: Perfect way to plug uh, the game. Uh, DSK, any uh, jinxes you want to get in early or uh, does the effect only hold till the next game so you can only focus your effort on Leicester right now?
2: Uh, One step at a time, but the the, the way Arsenal have been playing, I'll I'll be happy to take a draw against Arsenal. Uh, Quite difficult to say that as a United fan who used to pride the kind of thrashings that he used to give... uh, I still fondly look at the A2 videos once a month but yeah I'll be happy to take a draw.
3: Yeah it's it's going to be a very tough game. Uh, Arsenal have proven in the last game that they can play a very high tempo game the whole 90 minutes. At the same time uh, there are uh, you know chances that they are giving to other teams even uh, though Arsenal played very well, Fulham could have scored a few goals themselves. So, hoping that Old Trafford, you know, comes to the rescue for this one. I don't think team-to-team team United aren't there with Arsenal yet. But Ashwin and his Old Trafford team, if they can help us over the line, I think that's that's a power that the stadium still retains.
2: I have a 5 uh, nil record at Old Trafford. All, all the five games I've been to, uh, United have won. So, hopefully... Uh, Ashwin also gets my blessings with that. So United play on Thursday night and then uh, play the next game on Sunday. So uh, which is one almost one full day after Arsenal are done with their midweek game. So that would definitely add. Uh, and something that I've noticed in the last two games is at least some of the United players are very very uh, tired by around the sixty to seventy minute mark, uh, especially Eriksen and Sancho. So and. The new signings are still on the way. Uh, uh, not sure what Ronaldo's status is. Marshall is injured. Casimiro hasn't played a full game. Uh, so, uh, not sure how many players would have the required energy levels for for the game.
0: Yeah, let's see. Um, I'm. I think I'm uh, looking forward to uh, the battle between. Jesus and uh, Martinez because that will obviously be what the media will be focusing on the two uh, it guys from the two teams so that should be an interesting uh, thing to watch. Uh, okay, so we also
1: would that would that be the would that be the battle of the five finalists <laughs> or is <it> Jesus? <laughs> Uh, Jesus. more than <laughs> I see taller than that.
2: Need to check. <laughs> I, I think the battle in that game, though, would be between uh, Gabriel Martinelli and Diego Dallo because uh, uh, there's a lot of focus on Jesus. Uh, 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 Gabriel, uh, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but the, the two standout performers for me till now has been uh, Martinelli and Odegaard. So, Odegaard, let's hope that Casimiro takes care of him. So then it's Probably a battle between Dallo and Martinelli, let's see. So, that battle would probably determine the outcome of the match, is my prediction.
0: Right. So, in other uh, non-limited to Premier League news, we also had the European draws for uh, basically the, the Champions League and the Europa League and the Conference League. Anyone has uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, I was... In terms of Chelsea hub, uh, I think... I was decently happy with the draw we got. It could have been... Way worse. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's
4: it's a pretty vanilla group for Chelsea. We should finish. Uh, we should finish off that group. I think Milan, of course, will be a challenge. But uh, uh, I'm looking forward to the game at uh, San Siro. We haven't been there in a while.
0: That would also give us a chance to reconnect with uh, Olivier Giroud and Fikayo Tomori.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. You know, if there's one player, I'd be happy to have score against us. It would be Giroud. I like that guy.
3: Yeah. Same. As long as they lose, though. Liverpool have a pretty interesting group, so to say. Ajax, Rangers, and Napoli. So I think that will be a, a English, Scottish, a bit of old clubs from these two countries. You know, going up against each other. Ronaldo trying to go to Napoli is so is the grapevine. I don't know. Whether that's a very wise uh, decision because this is not a very easy group. He only has six games to make his indelible mark as a top scorer in Champions League history.
1: Are you actually saying that Rangers would qualify from this from this group?
0: No, he's he's probably thinking more in terms of Ajax, but
1: Ajax are pretty much sold their soul. <laughs> like they they they've got, uh, they've, yeah. they got they they gotten rid of so many players. I think it will be Liverpool Napoli all day.
4: It's also six games in the Champions League is six more games than United will be playing in the Champions League this year. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> should we should we
0: Oops,
1: go into the yeah. Europa League no. <laughs> Before we
2: move to uh, the Europa League, but, but, isn't Ronaldo already already the highest Champions League overall in Champions League scorer? I thought he wanted to. More ahead of Messi. I
0: thought so. Yeah, I
2: thought. I think he wants to move ahead of Messi only in the group stage. So it doesn't matter if Napoli qualify or not. He needs six games in the group stage to <laughs> get ahead, and that he he'll be the the best test, test, test ever.
0: And, and talking of Messi, I think uh, Barcelona uh, cursed by a majority of uh, the footballing world ended up getting the group of death, right? With Bayern, reunion for Lewandowski with the 8-2 team and also Inter there. uh, I mean, many Chelsea uh, fans would be hoping for Lukaku to finally come good, even if that means to (laughs) dump Barcelona out of the Champions League. But uh, that that should be a really interesting group to watch. I mean, and I quite literally have no idea of how Barcelona and Inter will perform. Bayern obviously uh, look to continue to dominate as they were uh, Mane's fitted in quite well but uh, for the second spot I think it's going to be interesting.
3: Yeah what better way than for Frankie De Jong to come into the Europa League after saying that he doesn't want to leave a Champions League club.
0: Yeah I mean uh, what better than playing the Champions League and the Europa League both in one season and have a chance of winning one trophy.
1: Speaking of teams which can play Champions League and Europa League and uh, and then you win the Europa League, Sevilla, right? So uh, that's the that's the other group that I uh, that I have my eyes on. Um, yeah. Man City, Dortmund, Sevilla, NFC, Copenhagen, return of Haaland to Signal Iduna as well. Uh, I think that would be interesting. Uh, and we all know Sevilla are born to win the Europa League. So.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, we've we've talked so so much about uh, the Europa League. Uh... Uh, I mean, if you, if you look at uh, the teams that uh, make up uh, the group stages there, you don't see too many names, which is why probably you're thinking in terms of uh, what can Sevilla do or what can probably a Napoli or Ajax do. But uh, I think quite significantly, the English teams, the two English teams that we have there, uh, United and Arsenal, they have a very good chance of uh, winning the Europa League this season. So basically another way of getting into the Champions League next season.
1: Don't, don't forget the special one there. Uh, AS Roma are also in the Europa League and favourites uh, to win. So.
3: Yeah, and, and also Sheriff Tiraspol was the team who beat Madrid last season, right? I think their manager has changed since then, but yeah, that will also be a potential banana skin there for United.
2: Uh, uh, United or uh, Arsenal, uh, because you you have important Premier League games in the weekend. The, the target should be win your three home games and try to get a draw uh, or a couple of draws in the every game. So, probably send out your B team members, get them a run out, and get that one point. If United uh, do the same as what uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did, where he played the same 11 for all games, like so. If any of the teams do that, uh, good luck to them lasting till uh, November.
0: Okay, uh, moving on. I don't think we're going to be spending too much time on the Conference League uh, right now. We don't have too much English representation. I think only West Ham. So let's see how it goes as it is. I think we expect uh, probably someone who's dropping from the Europa League to be one of the front runners for that. Moving on to the European Leagues. uh, Ashwin, you talked about uh, Haaland going back to Signal Iduna Park. Uh, Is that such a big thing now? I mean, Dortmund underperforming in in the in the bundesliga it's obviously a farmers league no one cares it's, it's it's only it's it's basically bayern plus plus so what's happening in the bundesliga fill us in
1: i think after all the talks about bundesliga being the farmers league and uh, bayern munich winning 7-0 what we saw this week was bayern munich trying uh, one all and uh, union berlin are their uh, key Key competitors for the title. I'm not saying that Bayern will end up throwing it. The league has started in the right way and, uh, like, it's pretty close, like, the top of the table at the moment. Both uh, Bayern and Union are at 10 points. And who do Bayern Munich play in the next game? It is Union Berlin. So we'll probably get to see them cement their place as the. <laughs> League leaders uh, is what, what I'm expecting. But yeah, I mean, Bundesliga is Bundesliga. It's it's n- never the top of the table that we look at. It's the teams below that. Uh, the fans are great. The atmosphere is always great. The league is competitive, even though some people might not think it is, but it is It is what it is. Other games that I had my eye on was uh, was was that in Syria. I think AC Milan is still leading. Uh, but... Um, but there was uh, there was a game uh, just. Nap- Napoli
0: game. is playing. Napoli is playing right now, so they they have a chance to. I mean,
1: exactly. Basically exactly. Go in front of them. And, and Juventus and Roma. Let's not forget. Like yesterday, they drew uh, each other, one all. Um, so Juventus is currently at number eight, and Roma is in the sixth position. So let's see. Let's see how that yeah, goes.
0: The- the Serie is looking quite open this season. So i mean uh, Some people have also called it uh, as being going back to the heydays of the 90s when Serie was like a group of six, seven teams where any of them could have won it. So you've got the two Milan teams, you've got Roma, you've got Napoli. Juventus is obviously there um, and, and Lazio sneaking around somewhere there. Uh. So, uh, yeah, good, interesting times ahead for uh, the Serie a squad. You
1: can be You can be really strong or you can be all equally weak is what I would say.
0: Well said. Modern-day Confucius.
3: I think the 90s were a great decade in general as well. Uh, a lot of competitive leagues. It was just before the money had come in. Uh, teams like Ajax and Dortmund winning the Champions League.
0: Yeah, and Mondays had a different significance for all of us back then. Can
3: I just mention one point about La Liga as well?
1: Against all our, you know, curses that we have heard at Barcelona, they they won four nil today against Real So they are second in the table again, uh, after Real Betis. So that league is also looking pretty pretty close at
0: the moment yeah on and on that uh, hopeful note uh, to finish off uh, i'll ask you a question which is more uh, merchandising and commercial related than the other questions we've had so far uh, what's your favorite jersey of uh, either the club you support or any in in general that you've seen uh, over the years, uh, I mean, I quite enjoyed uh, Chelsea's away kit from a couple of years back—the uh, the light blue one, which some people called City Light.
1: Same fans, though, right? So probably makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> for me, for me, Swag. Uh, I think it's uh, from a United perspective. I would say the uh, the one which had the sharp logo. I, I think that is that is my favorite. Maybe just sentimental value attached to it, and the Cantona collar is just it's just something that I really like. But from a team that I don't support, I really like the Nigeria jersey. If you remember during the World Cup, they were selling like hotcakes, even though you don't support the team, really. But like that was one crazily good-looking jersey.
2: Uh, I've always liked the AC Milan jersey, the the red and black jersey. That that's something that I've always liked, uh, and the Roma colors that's also something
0: that I've liked. Yeah, very regal colors.
3: I think Venezia is making a lot of waves on social media with their jerseys. It's been very trendy and so I think that is something which is very famous on social media. I think United's, I, I particularly liked the blue, uh, you know, the dark blue away jersey uh, which was there in the late 90s.
4: For me, I'm going to go, I'm going to go like almost 30 years ago uh, there was this um, Chelsea jersey uh, with the Coors logo on it, I think that's one of the coolest jerseys I've seen at least among, among all the Chelsea ones.
2: I think there are a few folks from Godson Country who listen to our podcast. Uh, it will be a crime if I don't say the Manjapada jersey of the Kerala Blasters, if I don't mention that jersey. Uh, uh, it'll be a cry so yeah i'll add that to my list
0: cool so that's a shout out to the Indian super league uh, all our listeners uh, who are not following that should take a look right so that brings us to the close uh, of this episode uh, thank you very much to the to the pod members for uh, staying up so late uh, in the it's already early hours of uh, Monday morning and uh, thank you very much for listening we'll be back with you next week have a good night.